Okay, well, we're going to turn to Genesis 15 today, or tonight, and we're going to ca- I'm going to continue my talk on um, the resurrection. And so what I had to do is I actually had to add on the title, I had to add the cross in the resurrection because I really was feeling that I needed to look into the resurrection. And as I started to look into the resurrection, there's one thing that kept coming right within one scripture or in the same scripture is the cross. It just kept coming forward. And of course, we looked in, we actually looked in um, the Acts passage in, um, it was Acts 2, 22 through 36, and we actually read the whole thing. But um, other things that started to come forward that I saw was covenant. And other words like that were never said. There, these words were unmentioned, but they were there, hidden, or just not, not said, if you will. Hidden or not said, but implied maybe just because of the theology behind the cross. And, and what, we, what we talked about last week was without a covenant, there's no relationship with God. There's no relationship with God. And to have a covenant, there must be a sacrifice. And if there's a sacrifice, something has to die. And then we talked about words like identification. Of course, I didn't mention that very much last week, but it's implied because in that, on that cross... And in that resurrection is our identification. That's who we are. We're not all this other stuff. We are what Christ made us to be or what God made us to be in Christ Jesus. That's who we are. And what's also implied through that that, that uh, identification is, is this process called sanctification. In the sacrifice, in the sacrifice, it gave us the right to be called children of God. And we also turned, we also looked at this other, this other thing called, and what was mentioned is glorification. Glorification. So I just want to I just want to recap just for just a few minutes. Like I said earlier, just a minute ago, a relationship with God must be based on a covenant. On a covenant, and we're going to look at Abraham and how, how God in Genesis 15 makes covenant. But what I don't have in the notes and what kept coming to me is, you know. Everything got cut in half except for the birds. And we'll, we'll look at that. But it's a, it's a ty- it, there's two types that I see in there. One is I, I see two types where God, God incarnate, God identified with man or incarnation and the deity. 
So I see the deity, I see the two halves, I see split in half, and I see the, the, the twofold mission of Jesus. When, when covenant comes, we enter into this twofold mission of Jesus. Oh, come on, guys. And I, but what I did not, what I did not understand, and what I was getting today is I did not realize that when I came into covenant, I was going to be split in half. I was going to be cut. Because remember what we said, covenant actually means in Hebrew, to cut, to cut. I did not know that God was going to renew me and deal with my old man. I did not know that. I knew from the scriptures that Jesus, that it was a twofold mission that Jesus was going to, he was going to be the ultimate sacrifice, but he was going to be God incarnate and fully man, the two parts of the thing. But what I did not know is when Abraham walked through, because we are children of Abraham, we were going to be split in half also. We were going to be born again, and this old nature would be crucified, and no longer in the next, in the age to come, or in the millennial reign, for those that walk in that millennial reign with Christ, will no longer have it. We were going to be cut down the middle, and God was going to pass through in that flaming torch. The Spirit was going to pass through, and he would say, I'm going to do this. Not by might nor by power, but my, by my Spirit, says the Lord. By the Spirit, the Spirit. Christ would be that sacrifice for you. And he would have a two, he would send the spirit after the crucifixion, 40 days after the crucifixion, he would send the spirit, 50 days actually, and he would, he would, through the spirit, give you the fullness of the new, of the new creation. He would give you the new man. That's what we're here for. That's why we're in this room. Is to, is to live in the fullness of the new man. Exactly what Jesus died on that cross for. That covenant. And the spirit would put to death. Oh, come on. He would put to death the old man. He would put to death the old man. Oh, there's a lot said. There's a lot said on that cross. In that resurrection, that is not really, that is not really in black and white in the scriptures, but it, behind everything is everything. Behind it all, there's everything there. The sacrifice represents the death of each party. We talked about that last week. Without a death, there's no there's no will or testament. As each one passed through that sacrifice there, as God and Abraham passed through that sacrifice, they were saying, in effect, this is my death. And here's what they were also saying. I will no longer live for myself, but I will live for the one that made covenant with me. 
That's what you did. That's what I did. That's what every believer in the world has done when they decided to cut covenant with God and accept Christ as their sacrifice. No other way. No other way, church. Hopefully you're liking this. I'm loving this. I really, I really feel the power of the Spirit. But let's read. Let's read. I'm going to read in the, in the NIV today because I just like it's, it's a better English translation, not that it's the non-inspired version. <laughs> but after this, the word of God came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your very great reward. Look, now you need to just stop right there and just say, Jesus is my very great reward. Just go ahead and confess that over you. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, here it comes. God, Abraham wants to know how is this going to go down? What can you give me since I, I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so the servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. Because what? It didn't line up three chapters ago. But a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Now, right there it is. Jesus incarnate. There it is. You see that. In the type. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars if you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He also said to him, look what faith brought out of him. I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, sovereign Lord. He kind of changed his tone there, right? Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? it don't you want to know? Aren't you, aren't you in faith and you go, God, I believe, but I want to know. I, I don't know. Sometimes I'm in, those, I'm in that boat, okay? So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a, and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him. He cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then the birds of prey came down on, on the carcass, carcasses, and Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep. And here's where just the typology just goes all over, the, all over the scriptures. And a thick and dreadful cloud came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain 
that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves and after they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sins of the Amorites has not yet reached its measure. There's a couple things in that. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, here it is, a smoking fire pot or a torch with a, bla with a, with a blazing torch appeared and passed through the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants I will give this land from the wadi uh, of Egypt to the great river of Euphrates and the land of all the ites all right <laughs> the land of the ites <laughs> amazing right amazing ama amazing prophecy there's a lot of stuff in here and I just have to hit the tops of it today. But God will enter into a relationship with man. He enters through covenant. However, as we said before, covenant is always sacrifice. That was one of the things that we have to understand when we are walking with God. That if we're going to enter into the promises of God, the covenantial promises of God, we are going to have to be sacrificed. Sacrificed. The very first scripture the Holy Spirit brought to me before I could even write down my second note and go into that passage is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of all that God's done on this cross, forgiveness of sins, bringing us into the blessings, every spiritual blessing that God has for us in the heavenly realms, all those spiritual promises and blessings and all that we will experience in the age to come, in this mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's going back to covenant. In covenant, if I'm going to experience the power of the New Testament covenant, the covenant in Christ, I'm going to have to be a living sacrifice. Now that's, that's a tough one. Because a living sacrifice to me is that I'm on the altar every day of my life until I'm dead completely. I'm going to be a living sacrifice. I'm going to have to die until the things of this life no longer have any pull on me. Daily. And here's what I've noticed about a sacrifice. It's always a choice. A sacrifice is I'm either going to choose to come into covenant or I'm not. I'm going to choose to die or I'm not. It's a choice. But it's the power of the cross. I believe that 
what God is, what I'm getting out of this is I'm finding the secret to the kingdom of heaven. And we've talked about, we've, I'm not the only minister that's preached a message like this. I'm just one in millions that have preached this message. But to me, I'm finding out that if I want to die, I will gain. Oh, you know I'm in Philippians 3. That's what Paul is saying. Well, Paul is saying, the more I die, the more I gain. He tells, he tells uh, Galatians, the Galatian church, pray for me, I'm imprisoned, but if I, if I die, it's better for me. But if I live, it will be better for you. You see? There's that transformation of Paul. I can go on into my covenant, or I can die, or I can be set free, but because of what this suffering, we'll get to this, but because of this suffering that I'm going through right now, it's going to benefit everyone else. So you're not just in the oven. You're in the oven for everybody that's going to run into your life. You're one smoking oven. I don't know why I said that. A living sacrifice. Here it is. Holy. Holy. Something about dying brings holiness to a person's life. And guess what happens? God becomes pleased. Oh, you know. The smell of that sacrifice is pleasing to the nostrils of God. He smells that. He's pleased. He's pleased with you. This is the true worship, Paul says. This is really worshiping God, is dying on that cross, allowing the crucifixion to happen in you. And then Paul says, do not be conformed to the pattern or the mold of this world. It's a mold. It's a, it's a, it's a thing that wants to form something. A mold is always something that needs something poured into it to form it. Don't allow this world to pour into you because it will, it will form you. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Going through the sacrifice, that living sacrifice, has also a renewing of the mind. We learn things in tribulation, in trial. Then you will be able, then, then is a timing word. Then, 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 that's a timing word. Only then... Only then will we be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Abraham wanted to know. What did he want to know? If God was going to fulfill his promise to him. That's what he wanted to know. How will I know? Is what he says. That's how this whole thing got started. God, I want to know. That's the very first question that you need to ask God when you are in the middle of covenant. When something is going down, God, I need to know. Why? Because you need to know 
how he's going to bring about the promises of God in you. That's what, he, that's what Abraham wanted to know. I'm willing to pass through whatever I need to pass through. I just need to know. Once I know, I'm willing to die. It's hard to die for what we don't know for. I'm willing, I, I'm willing to die as long as that I know, you know, I'm willing to die for my wife, my family, whatever. I'm willing to die for that. But I need to know. I'm just not going to go die right now. I need to know that, I, that, that something is going to be benefited from it. Oh, come on, church. When we die in Christ, we need to know what God wants from us that Jesus has already done for us. That sacrifice is just not, we're not going through seasons of toughness for nothing. We're, we need to know why we're in the season. Only the Lord can show you that. Because in my heart, my mind, my flesh, my whatever is not quite, I'm not you and you're not me. We all have different stuff. Or we don't or whatever. But God's answer to Abraham was what? Covenant. That's what Hey, Abraham, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to show you because I'm going to cut covenant with you. Now, here's the thing about when God cuts covenant. He's done. He's actually committed himself. He's fully in. I'm telling you, when Jesus died on the cross, he was all in. He was all in. And, and here's, here's the great thing about that cross. He didn't do it for himself. He did it for us. He says, I'm not going, this isn't, I'm going to give my life for you. And I expect you to give your life to me. Because this is how covenant works. That's how it works. That is the relationship with God. This is the power of the Christian walk. It's to understand that I am walking through covenant. And that it's going, at times in my life, it's going to call me to sacrifice whatever I have to sacrifice. Now, guess what? A sacrifice... I can't find one sacrifice in the Bible that did that uh, it was enjoyable. Somebody died. Somebody was nailed to a cross. There was pain and suffering involved in all of it. Blood was spilt out. All kinds of things happened in a sacrifice. It is going to be a tough one. It, what did Abraham do? See, when he, find, when he found out God was fully committed... Abraham, he went out and did exactly what God said. He got the animals. He cut their bodies in two and then walked between the pieces of the sacrifice. That's what he did. And then, after Abraham did it, God, in the person of the flaming torch, came down from heaven and he passed through the sacrifice also. Darkness. 
darkness. What's in, the, what's in that? What's it, what is the typology there? That in the darkness, there would only be the light. There, there would, it would be so dark. It wasn't, he's not talking about the darkness of the night. He's talking about the darkness of Golgotha. He's talking about how that, how that whole land, he's talking about the darkness of God. When God comes, it's pitch black. You know, it's, it's like the, the darkness that he put on Egypt. Nobody could see nothing. You can't see your hand in front of your face. It's dark. Why? Because whenever there is darkness, there's going to be a light. Oh, come on. Don't we read in Matthew chapter 4 that in the land of Zebulun and Nephtali, they would, a land, a, a people living in darkness would see a great light. They would see a light. There's always a torch in darkness. So if you're, if you feel like you're living in darkness right now, you need to see the light of the world. Only Jesus, because in that sacrifice, the only thing that was going to be seen is the light shining on a sacrifice. The person of the flaming torch came down, the Holy Spirit. And in Hebrew, we talked about it, it, it meant cut. The covenant represented the death of each party. The believer's, the believer's revelation of covenant is demonstrated when they no longer live for themselves. When I am able to demonstrate through my life that I am no longer living for myself, but living unto the Lord, Unto the one that made covenant with me. That his name is Jesus. That's his name. When I am all the way committed as he was on that cross. The power, Paul says, the power of the resurrection will be on my life. Not just me getting up when I die. But now today, that covenant now exists. Because the one that made the covenant has been crucified. So the power of that covenant, the power of the resurrection is found in the covenant. And without sacrifice, there is no power to a covenant. No power to a covenant. I can pray for the sick all day long. And unless I'm dying to myself and living for God and, and going through this walk with Jesus, laying my life down, making choices every day, doing those things that I'm supposed to be doing, even though it, I want to go, I got to go, then I'm telling on myself, I'm not telling on you, Margo. I'm just saying, I'm, what I'm saying is, that is, there's resurrection life going in me. Resurrection life going into me. 
Because I am, I understand that I have a new man and I have an old man. And one has been born again and wants to form the image of Christ in me. And the other one is, 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 is contains a nature that wants to sin. And he has to die. He has to die. Sometimes we call that conditional Christianity. Conditional. It's a choice. Condition is always a choice. There's positional and then there's conditional. Or you could call it identification and then sanctification. Whatever terms you want to put to this, that is the doctrine of the Bible. In Hebrews 9... 16, the Amplified Bible says this, for where there is a will and a testament involved, notice there is a will and a testament. Pleasing and acceptable will of God. Isn't that what Paul said in Romans 12? He says, once I, once I go through this process, then I will be able to test and approve what the will the testament, the will of God, the testament, the covenant of God. This thing is so deep, it has shocked me. For where there is a will and a testament involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. So there has to be a death to establish it. For the will and the testament here it is in the Amplified. Takes effect only at the death since it is never in force as long as the one who made it is alive. So I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. That's how I became born again. That's how I was touched by the Spirit of God. I'm not sure I would submit that that's how it happened to you. But here's what I found out. He's already, he's already all in. I have everything that he has. It's called inheritance. That's another word I ran into. When I started studying the cross and the resurrection, I started running into words from Paul, from Peter, called inheritance. Inheritance. He's already given me everything. Now, once I'm willing to die like he died, then I'm willing to inherit. Just like I will inherit. So I'm submitting that we get as much as we can today. Let us look at some of the symbols here. And then, and then we'll, I'll bring it to a close. The smoking oven, the torch, the darkness. What is the darkness here? Well, you know, in darkness, there's always, darkness always has an influence and an authority. And it doesn't always have to be bad. Darkness, it wasn't just the night, but darkness from the smoke of the oven, from the smoke of the oven. However, there was one thing that brought light, and we talked about that. It was the flaming torch. In Luke 23, 44, 
through 46, it was now about the sixth hour noon, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, 3 p.m., because the sun was obscured, and the veil of the Holy of Holies, the temple was torn in two, torn in two. That, that veil that separated the Shekinah glory or the presence of God was ripped, made wide open. What, it was ripped in what? In two. In two. From top to bottom, it says. Verse 46, and Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last breath. There it was, the sacrifice and the death. There it was, the sacrifice and the death. The fulfillment of the covenant. Now here is something that we can't miss out of this scripture. On that cross, when Jesus was getting ready to, or at the same time, but... But it was so close together, I can't say it was simultaneously, but I can tell you that it was happening almost the very same thing is when that veil was being tore, either before, during the same thing, or right after, Jesus says, I commend my spirit to you, God. Having fulfilled the sacrifice, there it was. The, the veil got tore in two. Covenant, a New Testament covenant was being cut. And the Old Testament that separated us from that presence, that Shekinah glory, going into the, uh, going into the way of the Father where only a high priest could go, go in once a year, that was torn apart. That was taken and torn apart. No longer separated from that. So covenant is to drive us, but here's my point. Covenant is to drive us to, pre, to be presence driven. It's ours. That's Shekinah glory. Everyone in this room should understand that that sacrifice on the cross was so that God's presence could fill your life every day. Every day. You know what the flaming torch reminds me of? The flaming torch reminded me of John the Revelator. It reminded me of Revelations chapter 4 in the person of the Holy Spirit when he saw the lampstand. The only thing in there was the Spirit of God burning. The Spirit of God burning. Testifying. Here's some of the lessons that we should learn from what we've talked about tonight. In our walk with the Lord in this evil age, there will be times of darkness, times of testing. I'll get to the oven in just a minute. God, but here's the thing. In these times, understand that in these times of suffering, in, these, in this time when, when, the, when the oven is cooking us and we're being... We're being poured out like silver, poured out like gold, refined by fire. When all this is happening in these testing and trials, like 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 or 7, talks about your, the, my faith, the genuineness of my faith is being tested. Tested. Why? Here's the reason. Because God can trust you. He can trust you in the test. Or he would never allow it to happen. 
You need to know when you're in the tough times, God is trusting you to believe in the power of the covenant. He's, he's showing you you're in the middle when tough times come. And I'm telling you, church, every one of us in this life will have tribulation. That we are not exempt. The Christian walk isn't some card that I get to say, hey, devil, I get a free pass. No, uh-uh. No, it's not like that. There's, some, there's only some things in the test and in the trial, in that oven, like the Hebrew children, only there's certain things that can be seen. What did the Hebrews, the Hebrews, the three Hebrews children saw who? The fourth man in the fire. They saw the light. They saw the torch. They saw the God. They saw God. He came in the midst of their, of their suffering. When they were ready to die, guess who showed up? Eternal life. I'm in covenant with you, Hebrew children, and nothing will take your life unless I allow it. You need to get that right here in your heart now. Take it now. Nobody's going to touch you unless Jesus says, today is the day I call Doug. I call Bruce. I call whoever. You're in covenant. We are in covenant with somebody that has shed his blood and poured out eternal life. It is important that we get this. Because the oven, the oven speaks of suffering. What did God prophesy to Abraham? That generation, four generations will spend 400 years in the land of suffering in Egypt. Why? Why? Well, for two reasons. One is the stars in the sky and the sins of the ites. It's written in there. There's two reasons why it took 400 years. The stars in the sky... God was building a people. Oh, come on. God was building a nation. Jesus will come back when his nation is built. When the times of the Gentiles are over. Then, get ready. God's building a, God's building a people, a holy nation, Peter says. Come on, church, understand what we're going through. Understand what was happening. This is not going to end until Jesus' nation is built. And guess who? Guess who says? Father. Father says, son, there is the inheritance of the nations. Go and get it. It's yours. And then the ites. The ites, what was going on with the ites? The sins of the ites had not come to the fullness. What does that mean? It means this. That God is only going to put up with so much for so long before he allows you, before you're removed. You know, I'm talking about the children of darkness. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about God's going to only put up with the sin of the world for so long before he removes it. There's a typology in that. I'm not going to go in time on you. But they go. 
everything that happens to us in this life is for a reason. It is for a reason. It's for your, our inheritance. It's all so that we can understand that I and you and we and me and everything else is in covenant with Jesus. Now listen to what the Bible says. In Isaiah 48 and 10, it says, See, I have refined you. Though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Now, this is what rocks my world. Because the King James, I believe, the King James Bible says, I've chosen you for the furnace. Kind of sounds like that chosen people group again in the, in the writings of Peter. I've chosen you for this furnace. Just, I'm going to go Texan on you. It's just time for everyone to cowboy up. And understand that you're going to go through that season, and here's the key about a season. Once the furnace comes, God is going to look at you, and he is going to respond according to our acts, how we act in covenant. Because he's going to bring about that covenant. He's already promised it through his son. So he's going to examine us, how we act in that furnace, do we allow the, the sufferings, do we allow that darkness, that, that heaviness, that things where we can't see? See, we're meant not to see. What we're meant to see is the Son of God in the, in the darkness. In the suffering, in the suffering, he says, not only is it going to be a time, a length of time, 400 years for Israel, for us, it's not so 400, but it is a time, there's a time there that we're going to suffer. So we, we need to embrace it because the genuineness of my faith is being, is being refined more worthy than gold. But I, the only way I can endure this is if I can see the light, if I can see the torch. That's why you've got the, that's why we've been given the spirit in tough times. The spirit will what? Comfort, comfort you. I can tell you, I have been comforted. Look what happens to Malachi if you want to take it a little bit deeper with Jesus. In Malachi 3, verses 1 through 4. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Suddenly the Lord will seek, uh, our, suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, the messenger of the covenant, whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure that day? Who can endure it? Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be a refiner's fire a launderer's soap I'm going to submit to you that in that fire you're being cleaned up you're being cleaned up you're going through part of that sanctification part of that part of that stuff because every trial every tribulation everything that you're going through is all to bring you something that you you may not even know you need from the kingdom of heaven 
You may have something that I need from the Lord, but he will, I'm telling you, he will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Everything is because of covenant with God. He says, he will sit as a refiner's fire of silver, or a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites. Here it comes. Just think if you want ministry. Woo, you're going to go through it now. He's going to make sure you go through it. Every Levite, everyone that ever wants to enter the ministry. Let's see if we get Pastor Keith to get any emails or answer to the text now on the altar ministry. <laughs> Refining the fire. Going back to Genesis 15, the oven was a preview of the affliction of Israel for 400 years. We talked about two things here, the raising up of a nation and the sins of the land. God is not going to put up with the sins. How we react in the furnace will determine how God will deal with us. It's how he's going to deal with you. Does he throw more coal? Or are you hot enough to be poured into a mold? Because you got to be hot enough. You got to be hotter. You got to be liquefied enough. In liquid, it goes everywhere. It's like that river of living water that flows everywhere. It, whatever it touched, we sang about it. Whatever it touched, it, it brought life. See? When you're pulled into the mold, it's not, it doesn't clump in certain areas. It goes all over the mold. In the midst of that darkness, the flaming torch or the supernatural presence of God casts light only on one thing, the emblems of the sacrifice. In the, on Golgotha, there's only one thing that could be heard and that could be seen, and that was that cross with the Son of God dying for the sin of the world. That's why, that's why I think it's in Galatians chapter, whew, chapter 1, where it says, has not Christ been clearly portrayed? What does that mean? A billboard. And that word means billboard in the Greek. It is a sign. It is a sign. And the last thing that I have for you tonight is this. Romans 8.32. He who not, did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, this scripture has everything that we've been talking about the last two weeks, right here. Will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Do you guys get anything? Amen. Yeah. I want you to know, I want you to know you've already been cut in half. I want you to know that you've been split down the middle. And that old man, that old man, Jesus has already done something for it. We don't need to keep it in the refrigerator. Just let it die. Just let it die. 
That's why, that's why, we, that's why those words where Paul uses and, and Peter and those guys to put on, you know, no longer allow your, your, this old man to be alive again. Put on, the, put on the new man. Put on that new man. And, and Peter says, don't allow, don't, give, don't allow what's going on with the new man to give you right to the, the sin of the world. It's in First Peter. It's not, I just butchered it, but, but don't give way to carnality, if you will. You see? This, he's talking, these guys are talking about covenant. And everything that, you, everything that we need is there. Why don't we stand? Everything we need. If we could get the prayer team to come forward.